Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 120. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Dr. Lee Bauckham. Dr. Lee is a best-selling author. He's the host of multiple podcasts. He's a jiu-jitsu blue belt. You'll hear the full intro in a little bit. He talked about fear, about thriving under challenging situations, challenging moments, and learning jiu-jitsu in his late 40s and 50s. Now, before we get to the interview, I want to share with you picture scenario for you that is related to the topic of thriving. Now, this is the deal. Imagine you arriving home from work. Could it be driving, riding a bicycle, walking? It doesn't matter. And get to a point that you say, wait a minute, you cannot go any further. You can go home right now. I mean, what do you mean I can go home? Well, there's a major shooting going on. The drug dealers, the drug cartel is in war with the police or in war with another drug cartel that is trying to take over. And no one can go home. And this might take, may take hours until you can actually go home. So how frustrating that would it be for you? Well, this actually, this scenario does happen in many places in the world, especially in Brazil and in, in the favelas, which is uh, the slums of the poor areas in Brazil. And what happened is one of the places that this happened that's very famous is City of God. I'm not sure if you watched this movie before. If you're not, I highly recommend. It was from 2002 and it was nominated for Academy Awards. Incredible movie based on true story, raw, that really show the growth of the organized crime and drug dealing in Brazil in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It was, it was an incredible movie. I have to say that it's my favorite Brazilian movie. Now, why am I sharing about the city of God? As you already know, I'm the co-founder of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, and we help social projects that offer Jiu-Jitsu for free in low-income areas. A lot of them in Brazil help to fix up the place, sometimes get mats or geese, whatever we can to help those superheroes that I like to say, because these guys really put their heart into helping the community, helping kids to stay away from, from drugs and crime, which is so easy to get caught up in Brazil. So the reason why I mentioned about City of God is because we just started a partnership with a project called TMD House in the City of God, ran by Marcio de Deus. He's a second degree black belt in jiu-jitsu, and he's been running this project for 14 years. I've been helping them for the past few years personally, but now we're able to actually bring them in to the organization. I had a interview with him a couple weeks ago in Portuguese, which was awesome. And he does an incredible job on this, on his place and talk about thriving. He's been living in the city of God for 32 years. Okay. So he grew up there. And even though with all those difficult circumstances, he was able, still able to thrive and flourish. 
14 years running that project, and he's still able to go to college with a theology degree, and he's an author and a speaker and a coach, and does such an incredible job with, a, with 120 kids and young adults that they literally daily, they try to rescue them from the streets because the money that drug dealers, the, the, the cartel offer to them, basically not to do much, they make more money than mom and dad together where they do have mom and dad, they make it together. So basically it's very tempting for them to get in this world. So he does an incredible job just recruiting them and basically changing their lives. Of course, on and off the mat, having kids have an opportunity to travel out of state, travel to a different country. The main athlete from TMD House is Gabriele Pesanya. She's been a black belt for a little bit over two years recently, but last year with COVID in 2020, she wasn't really able to compete. But she recently, last week, we're recording this April 2021, she just won the Abu Dhabi World Pro in a black belt division. She's already been winning other terms. She actually, I believe she, she hasn't lost yet. Maybe she hasn't competed as much as a black belt, but maybe six or seven tournaments, I'm not sure. But she started on that program. And another one that started another kid also that came from, from the program and now lives in California, teaches there, start traveling because of jujitsu. Next thing he was refereeing, now he's teaching jujitsu in California supporting his family through a program that there's no way, it's tough to say no way, but the odds of this kid getting out of the state, living in the city of God, most of the kids end up not, not really leaving that, that place. And with this incredible program, Marcia is able to basically help those kids to thrive and look for something else. They travel and they see, oh my God, there's so much more than what we see every day, the violence that they see every day. So with all that said, we started a new campaign. We do different campaigns. And this one is, I divide in two phases. The phase one is to raise $1,200 if you're interested and committed to helping. Looking for a new, in Brazil, they have like different tarps to cover the mat, which is awesome to have professionally installed and everything. And they're pretty expensive. He, they have one that is actually from one of the Abu Dhabi Grand Slams. After the tournament, they donated to the project, but it's old and start ripping all that stuff. And now they, they need a new one and fix up the bathroom, paint the place, uh, geese for the kids. So a few different things that it is described in a jujitsutribe.org website. So the first goal is to reach $1,200. And then if possible, a phase two is to reach an extra $2,200 and that will secure one year of salary, paying them 1,000 reais per month, which comes to close to $200 per month. But I tell you what, these $2,200, which about 1,000 reais, it's basically minimum wage in Brazil and they go a long way. So. If you are interested in helping, in helping Marcio and TMD house with their journey in the city of God of thriving in that super tough scenario, even today, I just put on Google to get some pictures that I'm sharing. If you're watching on YouTube, I added a few pictures of the city of God 
it was when I put on Google was shooting today at City of God. I mean, this is something that happens very often in being able to thrive in these circumstances and change lives without the government help. It's incredible. So if you'd like to learn more about TMD House and how you can support not just this project, but other projects as well, please visit jujitsutribe.org. Go there, visit, learn more, donate. And now stay with the interview with Lee Bauckham. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Lee Bauckham. Lee is a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and the host of the Thrivology podcast. He's an established author who has written several books, including The Immutable Laws of Living and The Thrive Journal. Recently, he turned his attention along with co-created an MMA fighter, Bethany Marshall, to help people effectively learn and improve their jiu-jitsu through the Jiu-Jitsu Training Journal. Lee, welcome to the podcast. Gisabo, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talking about thriving and, and how to learn better. Cool. So uh, where are you at in what part of the country? Yeah, I'm in the middle of the country in Louisville, Kentucky. So kind of close to the middle. Okay. To start, before we get into jiu-jitsu, tell me more about your, about your podcast, the Trivology podcast, how it was created. I love the message I wrote it down here, thriving regardless of what life gives you. So yeah. tell me more about it. So I was trained as a therapist, and now I use that as a coach, uh, trying to help people to move through. And as a therapist, you know, we're often looking at what's wrong with us. And since that was the focus of graduate school, what's wrong with people and how to help them a little bit better. And I always wondered about, you know, what's right with people, you know, where do we grow and how do we get to a better place? And so I got interested in resilience and resilience is the study of, you know, how do we get back to zero? How do we get back to where we were after something knocks us into the kind of the negative? It just seemed to me that there's something beyond that. Um, you know, I mean, why get back just to where we were? Why not take those events and learn from them? This is, you know, jujitsu is like that, right? I mean, yeah. why not just recover? But how do you make better on your position <laughs> and how do you advance? And so that was the roots of my interest and the roots of why it fits in so much with jujitsu are way back in that wanting to know how do we get better? not because life's easy, not because everything is going the way we want it, but because we're struggling against. And so that's the thriving thing is how, what lessons are we learning while we're taking on those tough things that then allow us, you know, in between the tough times to really thrive and, and expand our life. And especially now in this moment, the tough moment with COVID and all that kind of stuff, that's, uh, we have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast so, yeah, so this is the, the moment that we all want to not just some of us at some point, we're kind of like, especially jujitsu schools are like, you see people, man, I'm surviving, you know, we're trying mm -hmm. to keep the business yeah. and depending on the state, depending where you're at. But the idea is to thrive through, yes, after this, it started to, to grow. So what are some of the concepts that you share in your podcast that help entrepreneurs regarding to thriving, especially moments like this? Yeah, so uh, there are a couple of things that I, I think are important. One is our relationship with fear. I mean, when you talk about that surviving, what that's activated is a lot of fear. This past, what, year and a few months now um, have been all about a basis of fear. And fear um, is something that we as humans tend to try to avoid. You know, if we feel fear, we try to move away from it. 
rather than moving through it and deciding that maybe fear is telling us to pay attention to something. Um, and so this fits in in business. You know, how many times do people pull back from taking action in business because they get fearful? And, you know, it, it happens in relationships. How many times do we pull back because of that? Um, and, and so fear ends up being this thing that we try to avoid stepping towards. And yet everything important is going to create some fear response in us. Uh, so I always think about fear as kind of this um, importance indicator instead of using it as the avoidance indicator that most of us do. So, you know, when, if we can change our thinking, and this is where I don't believe you can have no fears. I mean, it's wired deep within us as humans. We're, we're going to experience fear. So what do we do with it? And so as an importance indicator, you can go, oh, I need to pay attention. Not, I need to have no fear, but I need to pay attention and decide how I want to act in spite of that. So many times when I am working with a coaching client, you know, they'll have something they're supposed to be working on. And I'll say, so how'd that go? And they'll say, I didn't do it. And I'll say, why didn't you do it? And they'll say, because I was afraid. And what they're telling me is a statement of their state of being, not anything that should have kept them from moving forward if they had a different reference point. Um, so a big one is how do we deal with fear? Another one is the fact that as I look at it, the only way we learn anything is through the struggle. I mean, that, that's the roots of, of any change in our life. If I want to build stronger muscles, I go lift something that's heavier than what I've been lifting and it challenges the muscles and the muscles has, have to you know, gain something from it. If I want to learn jujitsu, I have to struggle through the move, right? I mean, I have to work through the details of that. I have to work through all of the, the, the struggle that comes with that in order to master it. And so the fact is that we master through the struggle. And yet most of us are trying to figure out how not to struggle, you know, how life shouldn't be that way. And we have these messages that if we're struggling, we're doing something wrong rather than seeing that struggle is a part of life. And the question is, what are we learning from that? Um, so those, those are two kind of cornerstone pieces. We can go further with that, but that may leave you a little bit. Okay. And that goes with one of the, the books that you've written, some of the, your projects, the Thrive Journal. So how does that, uh, and then probably we can end up linking a little bit with uh, the Jiu-Jitsu Journal, uh -huh. but tell me a little bit more about that. Okay, so the Thrive Journal is designed as a, a kind of a two-part process during the day. You know, a lot of people do journaling where they just write down their thoughts and feelings and <laughs> all of that, which is fine. Uh, mine is more aimed at how do you want your day to go? Um, so I ask people to start thinking about, for instance, what are some things that have to get done today in order for the day to work? Who do you want to be today? Um, and so they go through this process of gratitude, of how they want to show up, what they have to get done, um, what's important, what are their values? And then at the end of the day, they go back and they go through it to see how they did to kind of score themselves. It's a process nice. I've used with uh, people in my coaching practice now for about 15 years or so. And I just finally went, you know, I'm going to just make it into a book so that people can grab that and just use it as they want. Kind of follows a uh, the process. Uh, Japanese talk about Kaizen of slow improvement, you know, little incremental steps. Mm -hmm. And so that's the process each day you know, how do you show up a little bit better? How do you do a little bit better? How do you become a little bit more? And then to review that as you go through it. So you have a two-step process during the day of setting up your day and reviewing your day, which is not your chance to go, 
I failed as much as to say, okay, you know what? I need to work a little bit more on that when I check my day tomorrow. I don't want to like that. Now let's talk a little bit about martial arts. So when did martial arts get into your life? And then eventually jujitsu, I know that jujitsu came a little later in your life. So uh, tell me a little bit more of uh, your relationship with the martial arts. So I grew up, I was born in the 60s and grew up in the 70s when, you know, we had Kung Fu on TV and Bruce Lee was, you know, uh, part of the presence. And and so I was kind of infected with uh, interest in martial arts pretty young. When I was a teenager, I finally actually took lessons instead of just chopping around, (laughs) pretending like I knew something and uh, took Taekwondo. Uh, And so that was it. I lived in a, a small city. Um, it was a little bigger than a town, but it was a small place. And at that point, there weren't many options. I mean, you did karate or Taekwondo. And in my town, there was a type one Taekwondo instructor who worked at the Y uh, or, or came into the Y. And so I took uh, Taekwondo for a number of years. And then when I went to college, you know, I kind of packed that up and went, okay, I, I'll just set that aside. And I always had an interest in the uh, philosophy of martial arts, the mastery of that is just kind of how people move through that process. So what happened after that? I go to grad school. What happens after grad school? I start building a career. What happens after that? We have kids and, you know, we're in that process. And so finally, uh, when I was uh, right above 50, I was just over 50. I went, you know what, (laughs) if I'm going to go back, now's the time. And I really was, had been kind of interested with Aikido, with the philosophy behind it and kind of the, the systems thinking that's behind that. But I, I recognized that I wanted something that had kind of a track record. And jujitsu has the track record for you know, being a powerful martial art in terms of, of self-defense and also in the learning process. So um, I walked back at the gym and uh, when I was had, was just over 50 before I turned 51. And um, I was there until COVID uh, kind of shut that down for a little bit. And now I'm going back. Right on. And how, well, before we talk about the, I want to get a little bit deeper when you started with the, the whole concept of the, uh, the Thrive and everything. But now with um, jujitsu, so now we have this new project too with Bethany called the Jujitsu Journal. So expand yeah. on that. For yeah. Us so this bit. is this is what it looks like. Um, it's it's a journal, so you do write in it. What we try to do is basically me. I mean, here I'm, I'm a blue belt, so you know a lot of times you, you look at the people who are out talking and they're brown black belt. And so um, I think that one of the things that I bring to the table is I'm much closer to being the beginner mindset Mm -hmm. and uh, of going, what would have helped me? And so when I I was creating the journal, um, Bethany is uh, one of the uh, executives at uh, the publisher that I have been with for a number of years. And so we would have publisher events and uh, Bethany and I would talk, she's MMA, uh, so has the background in jujitsu and several other martial arts stuff, uh, kickboxing and uh, Muay Thai and other things. So um, she and I would have these conversations about that, our interest. And one day she came up and she said, you know, I've been thinking that there's gotta be a better way of learning these skills. What if we created a journal? I'm like, I'm with you because I just finished up the putting together the Thrive Journal. I know the power of journaling, of keeping notes. And so we set out to figure out what would help through the process. You know, how could you use this in class? And honestly, you know, I've 
I've watched people struggle through a class and, and I know what it was like. They would have a journal and they're, you know, they're taking no notes. And so for a while I'm going, can I see your journal? Hmm. And they're like, Oh, I, you know, and they feel bad about it. I'm like, what's what? And they like, I don't even know what to put in my journal. I don't even know what I'm doing. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. You're doing it. You know that you should, but you don't have a format. And so a lot of times it would just be a, a jumble of notes. And I thought, what if there's a way to structure that so that you could go back and find it? Um, and so Bethany and I just kind of put our minds together on what got in the way of us learning, um, what, what would have helped me. And so long ago, I was told, you know, if you can't find the book you need, you ought to write it. And this mm -hmm. is if you can't find the journal you need, you ought to create it. So I just, just to kind of show this is uh, the page on it. And you notice at the top, we've got the positions. Mm. And so if you start off, you could fill in a position. And then if you look at the top of the book, you go, oh, there's another in that position. You can begin to match up your moves. No matter how you're taught the skills, you can find how they fit in. And then you also find over here, it's whether it's an attack or a defense. So I could also figure those pieces out. Also, whether it's a gi, no gi, or it would work on both. So you have multiple ways you can cross-reference the moves. But we basically have this process of why would you use this move? What's the move called, first of all? But why would you use the move? What's the setup of the move? What are the details you need to understand of the move? And then, um, so we have that on this kind of this, the page that we normally write on. On the back of it is where you can put your practice for the day. So let's mm -hmm. say you rolled that night. You can talk about what was good in practice, what was not good in practice, kind of reflect on where you want to sharpen your skills. So it makes the process of learning very intentional. And that was one of the things that I realized for me, I had to be intentional about the learning. Um, and, you know, there are lots of these little nuances that are so important in a move. And in most uh, places I've been, most gyms I've been in, you have a class, you may not see that move again for a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and by the time you get back to that move, if you're a beginner, you're like, I kind of remember that. And so this is a way of, getting it down the first time. And so our suggestion is that you, you cover that, you know, as you're going through the class, you actually take the notes in class. And then when you get home, you review it because what we know about the learning process is there's, you know, at first you're just like a swim in the details. You're just lost in it. And if you don't start cementing that, what you remember about it drops drastically. But if you go back and you review, then you have a chance of kind of getting more of that in. So the dip that's going to happen naturally is lower. And then if you go back one more time to it, we know that there is that upward draft. And so this also allows you to keep building on what you're learning. It just really structures the process for yourself of doing it. Here's the thing that we started talking about because we planned this long before, you know, COVID did everything it did to close gyms and, and all of that. You could use this watching a YouTube video, right? You got some movie, you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to take notes on that. And you can follow the notes. And then you go to the gym and you're like, oh, I've got a practice, part, practice partner. Let's go through what I remember about that. And instead of going, you know, I've had this experience so many times, I'll get there and someone will go, hey, I saw this move on YouTube. Let me see if I can do it on you. <laughs> and, you know, they start and they're like, I don't remember it. Well, this fixes that. Um, so it can be used live. It can be used if you're going through a video series that 
you know, have really um, been a huge piece of this last year for a lot of people buying the yeah. online courses. You can use it for that, a YouTube video. It just basically helps people cement their learning process so that you're actually making good use of the time you're putting into it. Right on. Actually, I want to take opportunity. I never, I always end up forgetting to promote my own stuff. So let me uh, promote <laughs> Do my that. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about online, you know, and so I'm interested. I'm really thinking about what you, you're saying because I do study uh, jujitsu back when it was VHS with tournaments and then eventually instructionals. So, so I've been here in the US for over 20 years. So it's not like I have someone say, Gustavo, sit here. Let me show you a couple moves. You know, so I don't have, unfortunately, um, I don't have that. So I need to, for many years, I've been just going after my my process of learning new moves to share with my students. And somewhere in 2019, before uh, COVID, too, I started gdjjonline.com. So people want to check it out. So I started a process just for my students, having the, the moves that we work on in school and stuff like that. And now we're just expanding just opening more to to whoever wants to go and check it out so if you have a chance gdjjonline.com and how has been the response the feedback so far for people who've been doing what are some of the the things that have you know besides you already mentioned but some of the feedback that you got that has been helping people yeah, so in, in the front part of it, we have uh, several sections about, um, you know, if you're just starting, some things to know about when you walk into a gym, because that is one of the, the first blocks for people. And so a lot of people have said, you know, I wanted to get into this, I didn't know how, and you laid out some of the kind of the, the uh, unspoken rules that most gyms follow. Um, we talk about how you manage yourself because one of the things that often happens with beginners is they go out so hard, so fast, yeah. and they get injured. And you know, that's not very fun. And so um, the front part itself, we've had a lot of people just say, man, that was worth it because of these unspoken things. I didn't know what I was walking into. And honestly, the same for me, you know, I had some sense of what I was walking into because I'd done Taekwondo as a teenager, but only a little bit, you know, I'm walking in and I remember sitting in the class and I didn't read the schedule, right. And it's one of those, you know, the initials they put down. And so I go into the schedule and it's these, it was a higher class and they're like, yeah, you can watch it, but you might want to wait for the hour after that too, because that's a more of a basic class. And I'm sitting there watching these people in the advance going, I mean, I couldn't even make sense of the, the, what was going on and what are the rules of this? And I'm sitting there going, I'm going to have to walk into this. So my only advantage was I knew how to tie a belt on a gi. <laughs> and I, I kind of knew the respect kind of piece of martial arts, but the specifics I didn't know. And so I also, we, we tried to create some pieces for people just to go, okay, now I feel better about having some knowledge about what I'm walking into, how to stay safe, how to keep doing this for a long time. Uh, a lot of those, uh, the hygiene pieces, some things that people just don't think about because Good they're stuff. not exposed to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've had some people who are like, yeah, I felt like I could go into class. Um, and then we've had, I, we had several people who were upper belt who were like, you know, I wish I'd had this when I started, but I'm using it now because the process never stops. You know, it, I mean, it, it's the same learning process wherever you are, whether you're white belt or blue or, you know, you've made it to purple or brown, wherever you are, the learning piece is the same 
It's just what you're learning and the concepts. And so uh, for a lot of people, we designed it for people at the beginning, but they're even telling us at higher ranks that it's been helpful for them to just reflect on what they're doing and why they're doing it. Right on. I like it. I'll definitely like to check it out to look in depth. Yeah, um, I like the idea. Now let's just go back to the, the thriving concept. So when did you have the first spark to start like thinking more about is that a, was a personal experience? How did that topic really came in? So now we can get some more details of that. Yeah. So um, one of the things that happened, this was yeah, my wife uh, remembers it not so warmly as I do, but <laughs> I was writing my dissertation from a PhD. And so you know, a part of PhD as you're doing therapy is you're you're doing the classes, but I mean, I was doing training um, and, and practicing being a therapist uh, other places. And so it's a practice reflection process. And my whole uh, PhD dissertation was, um, what are some other alternatives to therapy? Because honestly, therapy has got some issues. And um, I mean, there's a book called, we've had a hundred years of psychotherapy and everything's getting worse. <laughs> that one's I think two decades old now. So, you know, we're beyond that. But the person's thing is, you know, here is therapy that's supposed to be transformational for people. And we're still hitting these same issues. We still have these problems. Why? And there are some problems in therapy. Um, and so I, I kind of spent my PhD time going, what's wrong with it? And so um, I ticked off enough of my colleagues and uh, professors that I realized that my dissertation needed to be so what are some alternatives? And so I'm searching for all these alternatives and stumbled onto life coaching, which now everybody talks about. Back in the early 90s, very few people were talking about. And so what I liked about coaching was it was about building into something, not looking at what was wrong, the archaeology dig that can be therapy, but it was a construction project. What can I build into? And you can't completely distinguish, you know, th there's some therapy that would do that. And there's some coaching that looks back, but, you know, that was a big distinguishing piece. And, and so I got into coaching and started looking from there into positive psychology, like what is hope about and how do we find optimism and, and some of those interesting questions. Well, that led me on this, okay, that's resilience research. You know, how do you get back when something knocks you down, how do you get back to here? And that asked the question to me, the question was, but what's after that? I don't want to just get back to where I was. What, how do I change? How do I, how do I say, wow, that was tough, knocked me down. Now I'm back to here, but how can I, I mean, to use a, the a business term become anti-fragile, right? I mean, how can I gain more strength from the challenges come my way? So I've been studying that for a number of years. And in my mid thirties, um, I um, got sick. I was actually working on a project and caught, a, I thought caught a virus from my daughter. Um, and I thought it was because the project had been so intense that I had just shut down my immune system. And so I caught this virus and um, the virus went on for a number of weeks. And my wife did what a loving wife does to a stubborn husband and said, go see the doctor. And I go to the doctor and the doctor said, yeah, I think you're right. You have a virus. Don't worry about it. Go home. And uh, we did that cycle for six weeks and I was just getting sicker and sicker. And I knew it. I mean, I, I, I was basically going to work and coming home and sleeping. I was not able to do anything in life. And um, so um, 
finally the doctor, we had this, you know, those moments you don't want to see from a doctor, like when a doctor's eyes go really big, when you show them something, <laughs> that's not what you want to have happen. They go, oh. so I'm showing him something that goes like that. The, the second thing is he wanted to x-ray parts of my body that weren't even bothering me. He wanted to check my chest. My chest was feeling fine. And I thought that was kind of weird. The next thing you don't want to have happen is for them to call in a, a colleague to mm. look at your stuff. You know, that's never good. <laughs> and then the next thing is when the colleague wants to poke around on you. And so all this is going on. And the last one is you don't want them to start using their first name and give you their cell phone number. <laughs> all these are bad things. And so all of them were happening. And so I call him, he says, well, I think you have this condition. And he said, to be honest, I've never actually seen it. It's rare enough that I've never seen it. My colleague that I pulled in said he had seen it one time when he was um, in his residency. So the bad news is it'll, you'll be disabled. And the worst news is it will eventually kill you. I mean, that's not pleasant for, you know, 30 something year old who had spent a lot of years in grad school, not earning money, but <laughs> getting ready to have a job. And so all of that uh, threw a big wrench into the family life. Had to go see a number of doctors to see what damage had happened to different parts of my body. And the person who normally sees this particular thing, it's an autoimmune issue. Um, and the person who normally sees it is a pulmonologist. And so we're going through this process where I'm having uh, CAT scans and seeing all these other doctors and I get to the pulmonologist and I'm sitting there going, well, I'm feeling a little better. Maybe, maybe they're wrong. And uh, my doctor calls me and says, we're not wrong. This is what you have. We're sure of that. So you need to follow treatment. And so I go see the pulmonologist and he comes in and he says, I bet you're feeling better. I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, they're right about what you have. You just happen to have the very acute version, not the chronic version. The bad news is you're going to be feeling awful for most of this year. The good news is you'll get better. Um, so that was a wake up call. You know, when, when you live in this, this um, cloud of I'm going to be disabled, probably will kill me. And I've got young kids at home and still at the early part of a career, you know, it catches you, your attention. And what I'd realized was that I was out of shape, stressed out, not eating well, not sleeping well, and really was just at the bottom of my energy level. Um, so that was the beginning of, of a turnaround. And so as I got better, you know, I've, I've considered from then on, so for these about 20, 20 years or so, a couple of decades now, my bonus years, because I didn't think I was going to have them. And so one of the things that I realized is as much as I've been studying about that for those number of years, I hadn't really been applying it. I hadn't been really learning how to deal with my Got stress it. level, you know, how to take care of my physical life, eat better, all that stuff. And so um, from there on, my thing was, how do I live out what I've been talking about, uh, including how do you take on new experiences? You know, how do you keep learning through your life? How do you take on the challenges? How do you make challenges so that you can learn from them? Right on. So how has been since uh, this journey and sharing more of this, uh, of this message too, of, you know, of thriving in, in difficult situations. So, uh, um, one of the things that I want to ask you is about um, struggles as an entrepreneur or when you have books getting word out or, or you're coaching or getting your service out and things like that. So 
what are some of the concepts that you had to use to overcome some of the regular struggles that entrepreneurs and when you're working on new projects happen? So what are some of the, the concepts that have been helping you during this journey? So one of the, the key things that I, it comes from um, a number of different background places is recognizing what our thoughts do to us. Um, and so one of the things that I, I find interesting is how many people give stock to every single thought that pops into their head. <laughs> and um, so one of my thrive principles is a thought is a thought. Uh, one of my first book was thought, Thrive Principles, which was basically me stepping back and going, what are the principles? When I look at all this learning, can I divide them into some principles that you can kind of install into your life? And one of them is a thought is a thought. And, um, and what that means is not every thought is wrong, but not every thought is right. And I get to decide, you know, how much energy I'm going to give that thought. So um, one of the things that I um, work on is making sure that when my thoughts, you know, take me aside, a stride, you know, it takes me somewhere I don't need to be, do I really want to give it that much energy? Mm. And um, I think that is true for entrepreneurs who are faced with the struggles of every entrepreneurial journey. You know, we, I think everybody who starts a business, I, I've started several, has this belief that it's going to go like that. Mm-hmm. And it goes like this. <laughs> and, and so you're following the ups and downs of the journey rather than the steady climb. And if, if you're like most entrepreneurs who tend to be just optimistic people, you know, period, uh, because given the statistics on business, you have to be optimistic if you're going to jump (laughs) in, right? (laughs) So we have this optimistic bent and then something happens. And and so one of the things we do is we ignore it for a while. That's what I did with my illness. We ignore it for a while until you can't ignore it. And then usually by the time we pay attention, we're, we're so bombarded by the negative thoughts that we have a hard time, you know, turning the corner. And so part of, our journey is to understand that all those thoughts coming in, I get to choose how much, I don't get to choose whether the thought's going to pop into my head. That's just what our mind does. It creates thoughts and we get to kind of go useful thought, not so useful, not bad thought, good thought, but useful, not so useful. I'm going to give energy to the useful ones. I'm going to pull energy away from the not so useful ones. And so thoughts is a big piece. Another big piece that uh, is useful for me is understanding what we can control and what we can't. And so I, um, I use kind of a simple reminder of what I can control. And I, I think about all the things you know, I've had these conversations in groups where I'm like, okay, what, you know, what are you concerned about? And, you know, I have a big circle. I actually use a battle rope, you know, make a big circle with my battle rope, which is probably more action than my battle rope sees mm-hmm. <laughs> in normal life. It's when I go talking. <laughs> and so I start writing what they're concerned about, you know, kids, parents, job, money, economy, uh, weather. I mean, they name all these things and, and they start getting very specific about it. And we start throwing, I start throwing them in. I'm like, okay, which ones can you control? I mean, can you control your kids or your parents? your friends, your spouse? I mean, no. And so then I create a very small circle that I stand in. And there are the three things that we can control. The three things are our uh, aspirations, our attitude, and our actions. And anything outside of that is outside of our control. 
And so we're wasting our time and energy when we're trying to control those things. So our aspirations, um, that is, what do I want to accomplish? You know, I'm, aspiration, I'll, I'm going to write a book. Okay, that's an aspiration. I get to choose that. I want to get a black belt. I mean, that to me, I'm not quite on that, but <laughs> mainly because I've got this age thing that's clicking. So I don't hold that as I, like, I'll keep practicing and doing my best, but not that. And so um, we, we can choose what we want to head towards, right? I want to build this business. I get to choose that. I don't get to choose my fears that are going to pop into my head. Mm -hmm. I can choose how much energy I'm going to give them, but not whether they pop into my head. So that's our aspirations. Our attitude, you know, I always, uh, when I say attitude, people are like, oh, you're, you're into that positive attitude thing where you always have to be upbeat. No, it's a directional piece. Like I'll, I'll figure this out. That's, that's my go-to attitude. I'll figure this out. I don't know how to do it, but I'll figure it out. I don't know how to do that move in jujitsu. I'll figure it out. I don't know how to get the training. I'll figure it out. I don't know how to build the business, but I'll figure it out. All of those pieces. It's just our attitudinal direction. Not I'll always be on top of the world, but I will. It's kind of the growth mindset. If you're familiar with Carol Dweck's Absolutely. idea. Great yeah. Book. So that's a great book. And so that's her growth mindset is I can practice this. I can work at it. I can figure it out. And practice is what gets me there instead of I can't do it, which is a binary give up of a, you know, having the, um, the, the stuck mindset. Um, this is the growth mindset. You can have a fixed stuck mindset that I can't drink. This is just who I am. This is where I am, or I can keep growing. So that's our attitude. And then our actions of what we say, what we don't say, what we do, what we don't do. That's in my control. And so that helps me to go, you know, when something's happening to go, that's not my control. So I'm going to focus on where I do have control. And um, when we do that, it, this is an interesting intersection that I, I kind of figured out last year. Um, there's a hope formula. You know, people are always like, you know, either hope you have it or you don't. That's it. Uh, and hope has a formula. And the formula is hope is that when you have uh, a goal in mind and you have a way that you can get there, the means to do it, and you have uh, the will to do it, those three pieces, that is hope equals an aspiration that you have with an attitude that you'll figure it out and you'll take the actions to get there. Uh, that little piece in itself is uh, a huge block for people to, you know, in mastering and in, in life to, to find how they thrive just by that, that one piece. Good stuff. I like it. So guys taking notes, aspiration, attitude, and action. And man, it's, uh, it's exhausting emotionally to be aware the whole time of catching yourself when it comes that wave of negative thoughts or whatever. And then when we, when you don't catch yourself with this next thing, you're in a, in a whole like different world of thinking about the what ifs and this and that, and all those, uh, the thoughts you mentioned about the growth mindset with Carol Dweck, which is an incredible book. I always mentioned that uh, of course, uh, it's, a it's good for everyone, but especially teachers. I think it's incredible uh, book for teachers, but I put that and, in a list students. of- students. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I put in a list of like, maybe like, it's tough to say there's so many good books, but I think about like a top five type of book that it's a game changer for a lot of people. Another book that I'm going to give a suggestion here, if people- 
uh, maybe never heard it's The Unfettered Soul by Michael mm -hmm. H. Singer. And he um, he shares a concept really cool that he, he, he talks about that, about you're not your thoughts, you're the consciousness who is aware of the thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. so you don't have to accept, you know, this, the, the thoughts are coming in. It's not because it pop up in your in your mind that it's like, you know, it's not, it's, it's not true or is true, you know, we stop. And then having the awareness to filter that, that takes practice, right? Because you need to be other way, uh, I don't know, ways to create triggers to think about being aware. I create, I have talked in a podcast before. Um, there's one of the things that Brenda Bouchard called the uh, intentional cues that I think it's awesome that you put on your, let's say on your phone, and you can have different alarms and you can have different phrases or whatever. Then in the middle of like maybe three in the afternoon, a message pop up, just you helping. I have messages such as, let's say 3 p.m. and goes like, are you breathing? But of course I'm breathing, but stop and then wait. Just to be like, let's check in. Let's just be present. What's going on? They have, they have, I have some, some funny ones that I came up with. One is how old are you right now? Because sometimes you're acting like we're seven or eight or having a little fit. And then you got to remind yourself, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a lot older than that. So do you have any recommendations for the triggers or things like that, that can help people to be a little more centered and, and kind of like catch yourself when you see, you know, the wave of negative thoughts and you can get lost into it. Yeah, I mean, Brendan's ideas are, are good. He's he's uh, done a lot of research on you know how to have the high impact that you want to have, uh, mm -hmm. and so uh, th that's, that's good stuff. One of the things that I talk about is using our um, our emotional state as a barometer of our thinking, and um, that one's the easy reference point because usually we can stop just for in that moment and go, you know, what's my energy level? What's my feeling level? You know, am I experiencing the emotions I want to feel? And so for me, you know, if you are where you want to be, if you're feeling gratitude, if you're feeling appreciation, if you're uh, feeling love, if you're feeling joy, contentment, any of those things, you don't have to worry much about what you're thinking about because the, you know, thoughts are what make us feel a certain way. And this is one of those things that I, I think that uh, is also a fundamental misunderstanding in our culture is that people don't want their feelings to be tied to the thoughts they're having. They feel like they're, they're feeling, you know, many times people are like, that's just how I feel. That's no, not just how you feel. You're thinking something that's leading to that thought. And I used to, when I was uh, doing a lot of speeches, I, I would often say, you know, let's do a little thought experiment. And I stopped doing this and I'll tell you why I stopped doing it. I would say, if you're going to, if you could, if I said to you, make yourself as angry as possible, just make yourself furious. What would you do? And I would let them, you know, for a couple of minutes do that. And they would always think about something that made them angry. You know, they thought they created a thought that led to anger. The problem was then I had an audience. This is why I stopped doing it. <laughs> I had an angry audience in front of me for, and it takes a while for our body to process through that biochemistry. Even if you go, I was just thinking about that and you try to change it, it still has remnants. And many people told me that they would be ruminating on that long after I, I didn't need him to be ruminating on it. It's a little experiment. Same thing if I said, make yourself feel happy. You would think about what made you happy. 
And so using the barometer idea, um, we go to this place uh, right near the beach almost every year and on the wall, there's a barometer. So when I get there, I go in and I set the dial for where it is on the, and so there's the uh, moving dial and then there's the barometric pressure dial. And so I just match it up. And so I basically am looking that if we got there and it's a beautiful day, barometric pressure, that's a, you know, so if the pressure goes up, it's probably going to be a, a good day, good day to go to the beach. But if the pressure goes down, if the needle is below that, that point I set, I'm going, okay, it's stormy. We probably need to make some alternative thoughts about what we're going to do. Same with our, our emotional life. You know, if you're not feeling what you want to feel, if you're feeling resentment, jealousy, anger, frustration, not and when I say negative, I'm talking like there's a zero line of I just feel neutral today, or I have these positive emotions, and I have these not so positive or negative emotions. Most people want to feel more of the positive. So when they're feeling the negative, that should be a set point, just like me looking at the barometer of going, what's what am I thinking about that's, that's making me feel that way? then refer back to the point that a thought is a thought <laughs> and it only has the energy that we give it. And what we have uh, in our, um, our psyche is this thing that we are better off being better protected than less protected, just from being on the savanna or in the jungle or wherever our ancient ancestors were better off to be super cautious and protective than to be safe when it's not safe. We don't live in that world anymore. And so all the times that somebody is thinking something angry about their coworker or something else that is outside of their control, that's a good time to go, wait, that's my mm -hmm. fault. I have a choice on how much energy I'm giving. And as soon as we kind of let that go, our uh, positive energy kind of pops to the surface like a cork. And, and so that's a, another big piece of this is kind of managing how that thought, but you're right, it takes practice, how that thought is going we are so wed to often negative thinking and holding on to the angry thoughts or the um, self-critical thoughts that we sometimes have a hard time letting us, ourselves go to the, you know, to the positive. Awesome. For people who don't know too, uh, I mentioned a while back, some, maybe some people that have been listening on a podcast. I know there will be people listening for the first time, people being the hardcore listeners who listen to 120 episodes. Uh, so I've been a high performance coach under the uh, under Bre uh, Brenda Bouchard, which is the High Performance Institute, mm -hmm. and I have even in front of me here he calls the pillars of high performance. Some questions for you to think about, um, like in the morning, mm -hmm. and one of them is really good about presence. Say, what level am I in this moment in terms of my emotional and physical vibrance? and presence mm -hmm. just to kind of like try to readjust what you were saying like you feel like oh, i'm feeling a little you know down a little negative or anxious or what it is and kind of like at the spot try to investigate real quick you know what's going on to be able to have that shift and have other other questions that 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 really help uh, even things like what is my mission today? What do I need to do today to really progress my my life or my uh, a project that you're working on? And then the, that's when the journaling helps and comes in and think, okay, what is this one thing that I need to do today? No matter what, by the end of the day, I need to to finish this. So it's a uh, it definitely helps with the journal. So what is uh, what are some of the phrases or some of the 
the things that you maybe or questions that you like to reflect uh, they maybe in the morning or at a different time of the day, but what's some of the questions that you like to reflect? So one of the things that I, I do in the morning, um, I, every uh, year we choose, each of us in our family choose one word that we're going to live into. And mm. for me, that's a very intentional action. Like we've that. done it now. Yeah, we've done it for 12, 13 years. Um, and so we tell each other this on New Year's Eve. We have dinner as a family and we all reveal our word for the year. And I, I'm talking about my immediate family, my wife, my kids, and sometimes my kids' friends who sometimes join us for that. And so we, I'm very intentional about that. I start thinking about that usually sometime in late October into November, I start really kind of playing with along with that. And sometime in December, I've chosen my word. I'm already going, okay, how's that going to make an impact? And then it appears on my calendar, the first thing of every day. And so I have an hour and a half in the morning that I get up and I do writing. Um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll take care of a, a, a kind of a few project matters and just some meditation time, quiet meditation. Everybody else is asleep. It's me and the dogs and um, they just sleep at my feet too. So um, that helps me to kind of guide where I am. And so this year, my word is creator and creator has multiple multiple levels. And that's one of the things a word has to have multiple levels for me. So one of the things as a cr creator is I create, I mean, I create a podcast, I actually create two podcasts every week and another training every week. And I'm creating different video courses. I'm writing books um, and coaching. I consider that to be a creative action. And so in terms of my professional life, I'm being a creator, but I also think about it as how am I creating my reality? How am I creating the relationships around me? How am, how am I creating the energy around me? And so that to me is a meditation point every morning. How's today going to be for me creating? Sometimes at the end of the day, I'll go, yeah, I didn't, I didn't create the way I wanted to, or I didn't create relationships the way I wanted to, or I didn't create whatever, you know, the way I wanted to. And that's a reflection point. So that word has for all these years been my starting point. I just told you this year's, but every year, I mean, I've, I've done gratitude words and all kinds of different things. Um, and so it helps just kind of set up what is the energy going to be today? What is my process? Um, I always have this clear mission that I'm here to help people to thrive. And whether that's in their relationships or in their work or in their life, that's, that's what I'm here to help people do that, including myself. And uh, so that mission is pretty cemented for me. All, all of my writing, all of my podcast, you know, everything I do is aimed towards how can people, you know, be more in a thriving mindset. Um, so to me, it starts with that meditation point. The other thing I use um, whenever my phone rings, I make sure I take a big belly breath. Sometimes I don't even answer mm -hmm. the phone these days. You know, you get a lot of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, chunk, yeah. but it's just a reminder. Like it, it rings and I'm, if I know who it is, yeah. If I don't know who it is, I'll just take a big belly breath and just do a quick check-in. Where am I? Good. Um, and so those are, are kind of several points of the day that just trigger me to go, what's my state? Is the state where I want it to be or do mm -hmm. I need to make a shift to, to, to be to another state? Very nice. I remember one trigger that I found was interesting that Brandon uh, Burchard shares is the door frame one who said that I'm going into a, a new room. I'm going in, how's my energy? I'm coming into mm -hmm. this room. I'm changing environments, that kind of stuff, which is practice too. 
which is a really cool idea. Now, I want you to share maybe some of the books that has made big impacts in your life. Of course, depending topics, uh, could it be business, personal development, or whatever. But when you think about maybe a book or two that made us made an impact, whenever it doesn't matter, could it be 20 years ago, could it be recently? So what did you say? Yeah, so um, one of my favorites is Jack Canfield, um, The Success Principles. Uh, I, I like the fact that he lays out all these principles. He and I have had several conversations. He's like, That's yeah. one of my first books, matter of fact, that yeah. I read. Yeah, he says, I should have made it shorter because <laughs> nobody gets through it. But I'm like, you know, if you've got the principles, you got to do it. But so that's a great one. Uh, another one I love is The Four Agreements. Yeah, um, that's a great one just for going, who do I want to be in the world and how do I want to interact and how do I want to let the world impact me? Um, so, you know, those two together are powerful setups for how you want to live through the day. I, I've I've gone through so many books that um, yeah. you know, it's, I always go, well, there's this piece of this one, right? But those are two that always stand out and that I kind of go back to. Um, recently, I've been um, listening to, I, I do a lot of audio reading. I, I'm dyslexic. So um, sometimes audio books are a little easier, for, less yeah, tiring for me. For me too, um, works better for me too. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, a new one, uh, Alex Grant wrote the book, Think Again. And mm. uh, it's about the power of changing our our views uh, of changing our, our um, basic, not just our, you know, our thoughts. It's not about how to change a thought, but how to be open to challenges to our thinking. And he uses the example, you know, we always laugh at people uh, when their computer's still running Windows 95, but we're all still stuck with beliefs that we picked up in 95 or True. later. <laughs> so, True. you know, we can always upgrade the operating system and be willing to take in a challenge to that. And uh, that's a challenge for me. Um, I mean, just, you know, I, I grew up in academia. And so being right is often an important part of academia. And his thing is, sometimes being right, keeps you stuck on the wrong place. So another good one these days. Good one. Now, what is one of the best piece of advice, piece of advice that you've ever, have ever received? And that could it be family, could it be friends, could it be a book, maybe just one concept, maybe someone share this with you, like, huh, you know, that's interesting. So I would say it's a lesson. Um, my father um, always lived his life um, to be of, of service. He was a minister um, and he had a great sense of mission and purpose in that. And one of the things that I just noticed about him was how important it was to be driven by that, to have a mission and a purpose, uh, which then is how do we make an impact in the world? So my lesson is that we as humans, um, and I've worked with enough people who don't have that to know the damage when this isn't here, is that we need to understand what is our, what gives us meaning, what is our purpose, therefore what's our mission, and how do we want to make an impact in the world? How do we want to leave this better than we were? And so my biggest lesson is motivation in life is around our meaning and our purpose and how we want to make that impact. Awesome. And we're getting close to the end of the interview. And Lee, I wanted to know what is exciting going on? What do you, besides the Jiu-Jitsu Journal, so what excited about what some of the projects you got going on? So and tell yes. more about the, the podcast too, to let people know whatever you want to plug. 
Yeah. So Thrivology podcast, you can find it pretty easy at Thrivology and it's T-H-R-I-V-E and then O-L-O-G-Y podcast.com. That'll get you right on it. Or just search Thrivology podcast, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Um, it's a great one. I'm actually right now putting together, um, it's the husband boot camp. Mm. And uh, that's that's had a lot of my energy these days. Um, it's a 30 day process for people who want to improve their relationships. It's not out yet. It's just it's what I'm working on currently. Nice. Uh, and that what my uh, my thing is that, you know, when I talk to people and I do a lot of relationship work, we all want to be better at relationships and have better relationships. So this isn't like a what's wrong with you. It's how do you do better at what you're doing? You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you go to a fitness boot camp, they don't assume that you have zero fitness, just that you want to improve your fitness. And so it's the same thing. You just want to improve that role. So I'm working on that. Um, you know, right now, uh, a lot of what I'm doing is trying to get, figure out how we get back to normal. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of interviews about how do you cope through COVID? You know, how do you, you kind of make the better of that. Um, and, you know, the other thing is this jujitsu training journal. Um, that's uh, an exciting one for us because it's, it's fairly new on the market. And so I'm having a lot of conversations with uh, owners of gyms because one of the things we have in there is that a gym could choose to put their own imprint on the front. And so they can give that to a new student as a great way of getting them started. Uh, so that's, there's a lot of excitement about that, especially since, so many gyms are trying to figure out how do we, you know, begin to get those wheels turning again, and how what are we going to do when we're kind of back to normal? So a uh, lot of a lot of good stuff coming. You know, we I think we all can see the light is there. Yeah, yeah, we're just moving towards it, and um, we just want to want to get there the best way we can. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great interview for all the listeners. Yeah, if you have a chance, probably listen again. There are a lot of good pieces there take some notes for some of the listeners who like taking notes. So a lot of good information there. And Lee, thank you so much. And if they want to know more about the journal, is there a specific website or they can find in the same information, the podcast? Yeah. So jujitsu training journal.com uh, is where you can go, but you can also do a search on Amazon. Um, if you go to thrivology.com slash books, um, it'll show all of my books. So th the jujitsu training journal is there along with the thrive journal and all the others. But if you just interested in the jujitsu training journal, it's jujitsu, jujitsu training journal.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lee. And I see everyone later. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ mental coach podcast, but the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.